Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 138 of the Beers and Bottle Podcast. I am Michael. And I am Anthony. And it's another and week. I interrupted you. It's okay. <laughs> we're happy to be with you for another week of the Beers and Bible Podcast. Um, we're going to keep trucking along in our book-by-book study of the Bible. But before we get to that, Anthony, how you doing? Man, I'll tell you what, I'm busy and tired. My phrase of the week has been, I'm busier than a one-legged man in a butt-kicking contest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. my phrase of the week. If you know me, you know that I love, like, one-liners. Yes. My favorite one is probably, like, I'm hanging in there like a hair in a biscuit. That's probably my favorite one to use. Until we had met, I had never (laughs) heard that one before. (laughs) And then you started using it, and I was like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) That's disgusting. Why would you say that? That's so gross. Anyway. <laughs> gosh. So, well, no, good. I'm good. I'm good. It's uh it's busy times for us in uh Casa de Kid, but but man, it's uh it's been a good time for for us and the family, school starting mm-hmm. back and all that fun stuff. So Yeah, I hear you. How are you guys doing? Oh, we're great, man. Um I started a new job this week. Yeah. Um so been uh, my phrase of the week is I'm dr- it's like drinking from a fire hose, <laughs> trying to absorb as much information as possible. And I feel like I'm getting like bits and pieces of it, but Sorry. no, just uh, had to make a change for our family and it's been good so far. And my wife's uh, getting back to work after having the baby. So that's nice. good. Um, so we're just adjusting to uh, all all the fun things going around here. My oldest son is in pre-K now. Oh, gosh. Actually that's scary. Go- <laughs> actually going to actually going to legit ish school legit-ish. Um, and then my uh, my newborn he'll be he's three months old and uh, he started going to daycare in the last couple of weeks too so nice. we're just all all sorts of adjustments happening in our house too so juggling all that and uh everything else i mean I, it just feels like there's so much going on <laughs> and i get to the end of the week and i I look back and I'm like, I was busy, but I don't know if I got anything done. <laughs> I was so, telling somebody the other day, they were asking me how, how everything was going. And I was just telling them, I was like, oh, I'm doing this and kind of working on this other thing. And they're like, don't you record a podcast? Too? I was like, yeah, I do that too. And they're like, how do you do all that? And I was like, I don't know. I just kind of do it. <laughs> Man, monster energy or uh, bang energy, pretty much en- energy drinks in general are, <laughs> are a great <laughs> Great to keep you going. So I do drink half a pot of coffee every morning. So there's that. <laughs> Have you heard the joke? It's like um, I made my coffee with Red Bull this morning and it was halfway to work before I realized I forgot my car. <laughs> no, but I have now. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, you should try that one time just to see what happens. Okay. So tonight um, we are going to revere, review some beers. And uh, for the first time in... We're not doing Aldi beer for the record. Yeah, we're not doing Aldi beer. Uh, for, I'm looking at the I'm looking at our record for the first time since. Um, I mean, it's been ten episodes since we reviewed something different, but the, like the last legit episode we did before the that little break we took in May mm-hmm. um, was really the last uh, last time we had different beers and then had a regular recording. So yeah. Um, why don't you tell our listeners about your beer? Because I'm I am I'm more excited for yours <laughs> than I am for mine. So I am local to the city of Fairhope, which is the home of Fairhope Brewing Company. And as I was uh, scrolling through Instagram the other day, they had posted a picture of this beer, and it is the Strawberry Starburst Sour. 
and they had it set up there all nice and pretty with a whole bunch of pink Starburst, which is total sidebar here. There was another like TikTok video where they were talking about payments in the future and the payment was Starburst. And the most expensive Starburst was the pink Starburst. I just wanted to throw that out there because um, he was like, we don't take anything higher than red. He's like, so you won't take my pink? He goes, no, somebody gave us a counterfeit and he pulls it out and it's a, a pink wrapper, but inside of it, it had a yellow Starburst. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I was like, oh, this is great. Um, so anyway, so this is made after the pink Starburst and there's not a whole lot on it. So this is not a normal brew for them. This is a kind of a one-time deal. Um, you can only buy it in the tap room. I sent them a, a message or a comment and was like, hey, where can I buy this? And they said, you have to come to the tap room and buy it to get it in a can. And so I was like, I want some in a can. So I went and bought some from the tap room. But it is a on the can. It just says very tart, but balanced with strawberry flavor. This fruited strong sour is made to taste like the popular pink square candy. And I love Starburst candy. I really love red and pink ones, too. So mm-hmm. I have very high hopes for this this beer. Even th- even though it is a sour, I, I may be weird. I, I love I, I I love strawberry Starburst, but I think the red one is my favorite. I red really, is probably my favorite too. I really, I part of me is heartbroken that they didn't go with the cherry. The instead. cherry, but yeah, because cherry is sour. Ooh, like natural cherries are sour. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter. They did strawberry, so I am beyond excited for yours. <laughs> uh, mine, I. Went up and down the local package store trying to find something similar to what you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found from New Realm Brewing Company based in Atlanta, um, the Tart Blossoms uh, Sour Ale. It's an imperial style sour ale with ras- uh, raspberry and hibiscus. Um, it comes fun. in in seven and a half ABV. Um, and here's how new this one is. The website says that this one is coming soon. <laughs> so, it's coming soon, and Michael already has one. That's I how cool it. he so, is. <laughs> uh, the can says, uh, find a comfortable seat, pour this mouth-watering imperial raspberry hibiscus sour ale in your glass, and close your eyes. Inhale, have a sip, exhale. This beauty is brewed with hibiscus petals and lemon peel for a tart, citrusy kick. We then add raspberry puree during fermentation for a rich zestiness. Expect big fruity flavor and even higher vibes. I just noticed that the can has a QR code, so I am going to run that real fast and see if I can get anything. Can that QR code? Mine uh, comes in. I didn't mention this, but mine also comes in at seven and a half percent ABV. So we do have very very similar beers, just a little bit of. A little bit so, different flavor. So, so all mine does is take me to the website that says coming Tart soon. Blossoms Imperial Sour coming soon. Nice. Well, it's coming very soon to a podcast near you, like in the next two minutes. So um, <laughs> let's crack them open and pour them up. Let's do it. Here we go. Drinking. Three, two, one. Crack. Mm. It smells like candy. Mine looks like candy. I mine was is, I was honestly expecting mine to be a little bit more pink than it is. You see, it's more like a a golden color. Oh 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 boy! Oh boy! Watch out! I was looking at you while pouring and was not paying attention to what was going on. I almost overflowed. Sorry, I'm being distracting over here. We're good. We're good. Mine's mine has a very strong, distinct fruity smell. But it also has that distinct sour smell, too. Yeah, mine does, too. So on the initial smell test of this one, which I, I am very excited about, it it smells like the candy, but it I can get the, I hate to say it this way, but like, to me, sours have that almost like wet sock smell slightly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can get a little bit of that. So I can, I mean, this is going to be a sour. Yes. So hopefully it's not too tart for me because I'm not super huge on on big tart things, but. Well, worst case scenario, you have my address. <laughs> Say if I don't like it, I'm sure Michael will take it. <laughs> my mine smells very, very fruity, so I'm I'm excited about this one. Well, let's turn them up and see how they taste. Bottoms up. Bottoms up. Excuse me while I drink this whole thing. Ditto. <laughs> 
This is delicious. Oh my. If if there were ever a sour that were going to convert me to sours, it would be this sour. Really? This this I'm I'm just gonna go in through it. This is a five Luther beer all day, every day, twice on Sundays, four times on Mondays. Um this might for me, this might dethrone no crust as the best beer I've had on the podcast to date. It Not is good, huh? it is it's crisp. It tastes exactly like they say it's gonna taste. It I mean it tastes like a Strawberry Starburst, pink Starburst. It is, it's just like it. Um, it is everything that you would want in a beer. Um, it's refreshing. It's, yeah, this is, this is a five liter beer all day for me. It is so good. <laughs> well, I, I'm glad that you gave a sour five Luthers. Uh, mm. I, I just, I didn't know if I was expecting that to happen or not. I, um, I really wasn't, and I knew I knew I'm not a fan of sours, mm-hmm. but this doesn't have this doesn't have the the like burn your tongue aftertaste that that to me some sours have. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like mm, they make you pucker. This doesn't make me pucker. This mm-hmm. tastes like a Starburst. Which well, that's is, good. It's that's delicious. What it's, that's what it should do. <laughs> um, all right, so Tart Blossoms from New Realm um, is also going to be getting five Luthers. Um, Double it, five. It tastes like raspberry lemonade to me. Really? Yes. And the you know the uh, the description said that they use lemon peel. Okay. And you know it's a raspberry hibiscus whatever, uh, but they use lemon peel uh, in the brewing process. So, mm-hmm. um, but it's re- I mean the tartness is just perfect. This it's not that it's. Like same as you, it's not that punch you in the face sour, mm-hmm. but it is definitely tart. Um, but it's really crisp. It's really refreshing. Yeah. Um. It, this is. This may be my favorite sour. Okay. To date, that I've had. I don't know if anything has dethroned no crust <laughs> yet, but this is probably my favorite sour to date. Yeah. I'm um, I'm still on the fence on if this actually does de- dethrone no crust, but you're having the conversation. I'm having that conversation, and bare minimum, it's getting a very close second place to to no crust. I mean, it's it's in the realm as far as like quality, brewing, uh, everything about it is is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the flavor is right. The crispness is right. The um, it's just it's not heavy, but it's also not like super super light. Um, it, it's just it's one of those beers where everything is right, and it's really really good. <laughs> so, Fairhope, if you want to send some of that up to me, I would take that very. That's right, Fairhope Brewing. So Anthony doesn't have to do it. <laughs> um, no, so that that's awesome, man. I, I that's exciting. Uh, it's good. Yeah. So the strawberry starburst sour from Fairhope Brewing getting five Luthers from Anthony mm-hmm. and the tart blossoms sour from New Realm also getting five Luthers from me. And for the first time in a hot minute, uh, <laughs> we it, it's, it has been 30 episodes since our last five Luther beer. Wow. And we oh, wait, no, it's been longer than that. Sorry. It has been the moon pie stout was the last time we gave anything a five Luther. Either one of us or just a double five? Either one of us. Oh wow. Hey, unless I didn't you count it's been that long. Unless you count Angry Orchard, which I don't know if you can count that one. I, I don't because it's not an initial. Yeah. I mean, whatever. So someone will be like, no, y'all have to count it. So the moon pie stout is the last time. <laughs> Either of us gave fives, and we actually both gave fives at that point as well. We were, pretty, we were pretty loose with the fives there for a while. We and there was a section in time where we were like, "You get a five, and you get a five. <laughs> we were, we were Oprah Winfrey with the fives. Yeah, <laughs> that that was mostly me. Um, but yeah, so that is. So we'll see what next week brings. Uh, I think we figured out. Uh, don't go to Aldi. 
Yeah. <laughs> for beer. Don't go to Aldi Don't for beer. Don't go to Aldi I, for beer. I did try some of the All Dagger throughout the week. Mm-hmm. It did not get better. No, me neither. I'm I'm drinking them because I have them and I'm basically trying to convince myself that it's not supposed to be what it says it is. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just not good. It's it's still two and a half Luthers for, it, for me on it, that one. It may be a good beer to waste as like a post yard cut beer. Yeah. I don't know. A chug. But <laughs> hey, these sours we had tonight were dynamite. They're making up for the the two and a half from last week for sure. Yes. So well, good job, Fairhope Brewing. What was yours? Realm? New Realm. New Realm. Good job, New Realm Brewing. On your sours, your strawberry sour and your raspberry hibiscus sour. I feel like a hippie saying that. A raspberry hibiscus sour. I feel a little bit like a hippie <laughs> drinking it. What's funny is the guy in the package store was wearing mm-hmm. a New Realm shirt. Oh, nice. I mean, there's a chance these just got in just, like yeah. today. <laughs> The the rep was like, "Hey, will you put this on and try to sell some new realm beer?" Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, but that was that was pretty sing good. All right, so uh, tonight we are going to continue in our study through the books of the Bible, and for the first times in the study, we're going to tackle two books in one episode. Um, we are going to tackle first and second Samuel tonight. So. Um, uh, we hope you've we got your seatbelts on and your helmets fastened because we are going to be booking it yes, through we are. <laughs> these these couple of books here tonight. And it's going to be a recurring theme um, a couple of times in the next few weeks. Just just how the way the the way the book has things broken mm-hmm. up. But we'll uh, we'll get into that here in a second. But in the meantime, enjoy a cold beer and stick around and we'll be back. I hope you enjoyed that musical break because we're back now and we're going to talk about the Samuels, the books of the Samuel, the prophet Samuel, the Kings, the Sauls, the David, all of the things we're going to talk about them tonight. And it's going to be fun. Um, First and second Samuel bring us into the history books. They, they really kind of start to set out the history books. We're going to follow um, Samuel Kings Chronicles, um, all of that is kind of considered the history and Ezra and Nehemiah really roll into, uh, somewhat of a history as well, uh, before you get into Job, Psalms and Proverbs, which is the wisdom literature. Um, so we're kind of rolling into, a, a large narrative section. And if you've ever read the books of first and second Samuel, you realize that this is a very much narrative. Um, not so much there, there's really not a lot of like, side things that you kind of have to be aware of. Yes, there's narrative and there's things you have to realize about the way Hebrews wrote narratives. Um, but for the large part, they're, they're just, they're telling the story and, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about this later, but again, it's, we've mentioned this before. It's not about necessarily the chronology of the events, but the narrator is telling the story in order to paint a picture for you of how the story goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Keep that in the back of your mind as, as we dive into Samuel and um, just kind of like right out of the shoot, we're going to note that this is the transitional book. This is bringing us from the times of the judges. Um, Saul is going to be the first king of Israel, and we're going to talk about how that goes later later on. Um, but Saul is the first king, and he's coming. He's really going to kind of be like this setup for the rise of the of David. Um, I think it's interesting that the very first king that Israel has is an is an evil king. Um, I think that really kind of sets the tone for what kings are going to be in Israel because mm-hmm. because by and large the kings are not really there are some good kings yes but but for the most part the kings are a lot of times a lot like judges like it's it's more of this like yeah you're 
in denial and you're not worshiping me and you're doing all these things that I've told you not to do. So you're basically going to be stuck with this evil person because because of your sin. Yeah. Is the way God treats the nation of Israel. Almost like God had a plan that the nation of Israel should have followed instead of yeah. wanting a king for themselves like the nations around them. Yeah. Even though they were called to be not like the nations around them. Yes. You know, it's funny. Yeah. And in my yeah. in my Bible reading, um, I'm in Exodus again now. And I was I'm basically I read through the Passover, the ten plagues and all that this morning. And I was I'm reminded because it, it it actually reminds me so much of of the kings because I mean like Israel is barely across the river and they're already complaining. It's it's I mean like like the river's can, not even done moving yet. <laughs> they can see dead Egyptians behind them and they're like Moses, why did you drag us out here to kill us? Why do you hate us? Why does God loathe us? You know, and I'm like, seriously, you just walked through a river <laughs> anyway, <laughs> or the Red Sea. It'd be the Red Sea. It's like you just you literally just walked on dry ground through a sea. The people who were chasing you are now dead on the side. You can see them, and you're complaining. <laughs> I don't know. But, the church, I mean, the church but- does it too. That's a narrative of, but that's just a narrative of our life too, though, man. Like it is. Like how often do we, like me and my wife are going through, uh, like a financial reset mm-hmm. in our lives right now, and so, you know, a lot. There's a lot of anxiety because we're we're all like, okay, well, how how are we going to make X, Y, and Z work? You know, how how is how are how are we going to make sure all this gets taken care of in case there's mm-hmm. an emergency? Yada yada yada. But then we forget over the last almost 10 years of being married, how many times God has provided every single need every yeah. single time we've, he's never failed. We've, we, and, but it's like, stop worrying about it. Like God's, <laughs> God's proven he's faithful. He's going to do it again. So quit whining and just trust him with it. And I mean, we all have stories like that. So yeah, I, I, I relate with Israel in that regard in that, yeah. like they just saw, a miracle Mm -hmm. and then they're still complaining because of whatever reasons um it's just funny to me because they can (laughs) because they can it's just like i'm frustrated with myself when i see after the fact how god has worked out yeah things all together the nation of israel literally saw the sea part and Mm -hmm. walked across dry land with the like with the water on each like that would freak me that i would be like nah i ain't doing it I, nah bro no nah, i'll just i'll go back to egypt we're good like so i need some more bricks i got bricks i can yeah. make bricks but you know they the nation of israel saw god's miracles with their own eyes mm-hmm. and still questioned and doubted and and yeah. lost faith in we we don't get to see in the moment God working those things out literally with our eyes. Like yeah. we have, we have the gift of hindsight to look back and see how God works those things out. But in the moment, we don't get to see that. So it makes sense that we still struggle with it. Yeah. I mean, shoot, think about the book of Judges that we just did a couple of weeks ago. They walked around a city and then blew some trumpets and the walls fell down. <laughs> and then the very next thing they do is like, nah. We're not going to do it the way God tells us to do it. We're good. We got this. Gosh. Anyway. The na- nation of Israel is a bunch of dopes. I'm going to go ahead and say that. They are a bunch of dopes. And we're a bunch of dopes, too, because we act a lot like the nation of Israel. Yeah, that's that's a fair statement. Okay. So, but we're talking diatribe. about David. Yeah, that was a little diatribe. Sorry <laughs> about that. And we're we're following a time period of, a, of roughly 130 years. We're going to go from Saul into David on into... Um, the the predecessors of David, um, Solomon, and all that. That's going to be in the in the Kings and the Chronicles. Um, but we're what we see here in really kind of walking into Saul from Saul on through David is we talked about it in in Judges and, and uh, no, we didn't really talk about it in Ruth because it wasn't really pertinent. But the, again, there's no superpower here. Yeah, Israel is is conquering a land that is like this. I think I related to like basically conquering a state by state. If you talked about the United States, you know, yeah. there's no big one mega superpower 
uh, controlling everything. It's not like you have to take down the federal government or anything. There's a bunch of little nation states or little city states, and Israel has been conquering them, and they're going to continue to conquer them in the promised land that God has given them, promised all the way back to Abraham from Genesis. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of where we are. Time-wise, we're in about the 11th century before Christ, so we're maybe 11, 1,200 years before Christ. And then we have some focal points throughout the book of Samuel, the, really the first two books of, or the two books of Samuel. Um, and one of them is you, you see, we've already talked about the institution of the kingship in Israel. Um, this is going to be followed up and it's going to be somewhat paralleled at times um, because there is a king in Israel and there's also sometimes a prophet in Israel. Um, we've, we've got the priest. And so you, and, and I want to mention all three of these offices because you have the priesthood, which was originally intended to be the the kind of, I guess, quasi-ruler mm -hmm. of, of Israel. They were the ones that kind of set down the rules. And then you have the introduction of the kings of Israel, which is a ruler over Israel. They, they try to get this other ruler. And then you have the prophets of Israel, which prophesy the word of God to Israel. And Jesus comes and he fulfills all three roles of prophet, priest, and king. Mm -hmm. And so as we develop these motifs, as we continue through these uh, Old Testament books, I kind of want to lay that out from the outset, because this is the first time that we've talked about the office of king in the Old Testament. Okay, so you've got the kingship in Israel. Um, they're they're really concerned or the kind of the, the main concern is the kingship and covenant loyalty of the nation to God. Uh, they're going to tell that story. You have the ark. Uh, which is the representative of the, as the presence of God. And we are going to talk about this, but at one point the ark leaves and they have to come and get it back. And so that's this, that's sign significant because it signifies the presence of God leaving Israel as if mm. God is not with them anymore. Mm. And so uh, the Philistines take it and they have to go get it back and all that kind of fun stuff. Um we establish Jerusalem as as kind of they call it the city of David, but it's really the the capital of Israel as we would think about it. And, and even today, um, they made a big fuss about moving the the capital back to Jerusalem mm -hmm. a while back. Um, and so you have the Davidic covenant, which which kind of foretells and and prefaces a messianic covenant, um, seeing David as this this messianic figure and, and we are going to talk a little bit bit about this as we get through the overview but seeing david as a a type of and i'm, I'm going to say this very carefully a type of jesus he is not jesus but we're going to see continually figures who personify an aspect of who jesus was mm -hmm. but they don't personify or they don't encompass all of who jesus was and so you have these continual messianic references to who the Messiah is going to be or what the Messiah is going to be like, but you don't have the Messiah until Jesus comes. Right. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so, so that gets us set up for like how we should read Samuel, how we should look at Samuel. It is a history it is a historical book. Mm -hmm. So we kind of keep that as, as we read, but let's talk about some advice for reading through the book books of Samuel. Cool. Uh, so, uh, it's important to remember a few things when you're reading the books of Samuel, when you're reading the books of first and second Samuel, um, like Anthony just said, um, they are historical books. Um, they contain individual stories about God's people. It's not necessarily chronological. Mm -hmm. Um, like we've talked about, it's, it's more like painting, like Anthony said, painting a whole picture. Um, and it's important to not miss the Deuteronomic, Deuteronomic themes, that continued throughout the book um, or the books. We've talked mm -hmm. about those the last few weeks um, uh, with uh, Judges and Deuteronomy, I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, um, you, I mean, the, the Deuteronomic theme is this cycle that, yeah, that yeah, yeah, where yeah, the, the nation mm -hmm. sins, they're called to then repentance, they, repent. you know, and it's, yes. it's this kind of continual downward spiral. We're yeah, really yeah. going to see that with Saul. So, yeah, yeah. We'll Sorry. get to that in a little bit. Yeah. So, um, so, so Samuel, the Samuels, um, is a tradition transitional history. Mm -hmm. uh, marks the ending of the judges and the beginnings of the kings. Um, but also, most of the kings are not great. Mm -hmm. um, so we go from 
some better times to mostly rough times with uh with the kings um something else to remember here is that true worship of god um is one of the is one of the central themes throughout both books so what that Mm -hmm. looks like um how that is carried out um in the nation of israel and with individuals um the writer here makes it a point to not focus on if israel will have a king but to make a point about what kind of king israel will have yeah um and that's really important um because the point is not um that israel has a king or if they have a king but the point is more that the king fulfills the role that god has for them yeah for the for the for the for the person for the king and then for the nation of israel yeah um that that right there actually ties into that that whole messianic idea because the when the king is actually doing what he's supposed to be doing, he's fulfilling the role that mm-hmm. was established by God. Yeah. And so what you just talked about, like it's it's less important that they had a king as opposed to what kind of king they had. And and you're gonna find out as as we go through Kings and Chronicles, when we list when the when the author lists a king, he will say, you know, and this king did evil in the sight of God, or this king did good in the sight of God. They're going to make that point every time. Mm-hmm. And think back to like numbers when we talked about numbers and we talked about this person or, or even go all the way back to Genesis. When we had the genealogies, it says it's that constant repetition of, and then he died and then he died and then he died. So anytime you have a repetition of kind of like one specific aspect of something, you really want to focus on that because the author is making it a point to say this king was evil. This king was good. This king was evil. So again, it's it's not about the office of the king or if they had a king, but what kind of king, exactly mm-hmm. what you just said, what kind of king. So it, it really helps us as new or modern day readers, not necessarily new readers, but modern day readers to understand the point that the author was trying to get across. Mm-hmm. He was trying to talk about the king's character. Right. Your character is what is what really mattered. Not that you're a king. That doesn't matter. But your character is what mattered. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you have to you have to see that as the point that the author was trying to make as you read these histories, because I, I've heard it done a hundred times. Well, Israel was led by this, you know, this guy and he was terrible. Well, it's not the fact that he was led, it's the fact that he was terrible. That's the point the guy was making. You know, right. And and you don't need to follow that example. We don't need a terrible leader. We need a good leader is what we need. Right. And so, you know, just because somebody is a leader doesn't mean that they're good. And so we have to take that into consideration. I'll mm-hmm. let you read into that, whatever you want to read into that. <laughs> no, you're totally right. It's, it's not. Yes, I agree. <laughs> There, there was nothing. There was nothing else that I needed to add there. I, I think you've you've covered that thoroughly enough. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, finally there's two subplots that are echoed from Genesis and then get repeated later in the New Testament. Um, we have this barren woman motive motif mm-hmm. um, of Samuel. Um, we've se- we saw that earlier in Genesis with Abraham and Sarah, and then mm-hmm. we see it also in Luke chapters one and two. Um, and then, uh, the other subplot here is, um, God's choice of the lesser or maybe better read a second, um, to fulfill his covenant promise. Uh, the, uh, comparisons here are Jacob and Esau, uh, Joseph and his brothers, and then, uh, also Jesus and Adam. Yeah. And, and that's, I think that's why I don't particularly like the word lesser there and Mm -hmm. if if i remember right the authors actually had it in quotes like they had the word lesser in quotes Mm -hmm. um and and i think that's the reason i don't because again you have like jacob and esau well jacob esau was a servant of jacob jacob was the second brother joseph was the the youngest and his brothers ended up bowing down to him and then you have the comparison of Jesus and Adam. Well, if Adam is the original creation, well, 
then Jesus is kind of like the second. And mm-hmm. so I think that's why I prefer to say second instead of lesser. Yeah. Um, because it's kind of, it, it, but it's, it is a reoccurring theme throughout scripture where even God points out the younger will serve or the older will serve the younger. Right. And so you have this, this concept of the lesser, you know, in, in, in ancient Near East times, the second brother was kind of always lesser. Mm-hmm. But in, in the case of Jesus and Adam, Jesus is the fulfillment of what Adam failed to do. Right. So it's not necessarily the lesser. Yeah. But that that's that was an interesting motif that I appreciated them bringing out at this point in in the narrative of scripture. Yeah. So so we've got the data, we've got some advice for how we're going to read through this. Let's let's walk through both of these books. Um at 30,000 feet, we're going to, we're going to fly through both of these books because there's, there's just a lot of content to cover. And so mm-hmm. we may not hit some of the the narratives and the stories that you want us to hit, but what we want to do is we want to paint a good overarching picture of what you can expect to see through the books of first and second Samuel, as you have maybe have already read through them in preparation for, or you're going to read through them. Mm-hmm. as you as you follow along with us and so so again yeah. we hope you're reading these books kind of as we go along with this because we want you to read these books um so that we can begin to think narratively through scripture from genesis all the way to revelation that's the goal and we're going to kind we're going to keep reiterating that point because that is the point that we want to keep reiterating so mm-hmm. so let's start it out first samuel uh, the first few chapters are first really kind of three chapters into into a little bit of verse uh chapter 4 you have the birth of Samuel. You have Hannah, who's barren. We talked about the barren uh, woman motif there. She's praying for a son. She gets a son. The son of Samuel. Um, Samuel is the one who anoints Saul, and then later says, "Yeah, David's going to be king too." So uh, Samuel is is the is the leader who who does this, and this is kind of this transitional figure from judges into the kings, mm-hmm. um, and and. We have to note here really from the beginning, because we're going to see it later in the end, too, that that God's power is the one who brings the strength to people, who gives them the strength to do what God has called them to do. Mm-hmm. And so just just pack that away somewhere and, and remember that because we're going to come back to that. So what's next? What's next in Samuel? So uh, the next few chapters of First Samuel is uh, it covers the loss and the return of the Ark of the Covenant. Um, we talked about earlier how the ark is the representation of the glory and presence of God. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a parallel to the glory and presence leaving the nation of Israel and eventually returning to Israel. Yeah. Um, so when the glory leaves, God is gone. Yeah. <laughs> Things have gone the wrong way. All right. So after, uh, the ark returns um the next few chapters is saul being anointed as king mm-hmm. um and you know we see here that the beginning of saul's reign is written in comparison to uh, a section in deuteronomy 16 um which sets him up as an evil king um anthony talked about earlier that the first king he's the first king of israel yes mm-hmm. um, is, yeah the, the first king of israel is going to be an evil king um, and, and here we see that that is the case. Um, and, uh, the, and really something that's really something interesting here. Um, we have this warning of a monarchy, mm-hmm. um, it's given here showing this long trajectory of Israel's rebellion against God, um, which we've seen all throughout scripture already, and it will mm-hmm. continue to be a recurring theme. But then we also see that this previews God's mercy on his people. Yeah. Um, which is also going to be a recurring theme throughout the rest of scripture. Yeah, pretty much all of scripture. It's it's interesting because because you know, Israel keeps looking for something tangible to to, to like latch onto. And it, it mm-hmm. was it was judges or it's kings or it was, you know, give us something, give us a leader, give us, mm-hmm. they can't ever just wholly rely on God, it seems like. Um, and so God has to give, and and part of that is, is, is what shows God's mercy because it's like they ask for these things and, 
and I and in my mind, I can the only thing I can picture that's that's kind of relatable is like a kid who's begging for something from their parent and and the parent is finally just like, Okay, all right, we can work through this. Yes, you can have this thing. You know, right. I know in the long run it's not gonna be good for you, but right now I'm willing to give you this to to help you learn a lesson. Yeah. Um and and that's really like what we see from the judges into the kings and on it. I mean, it's like Israel wants this political thing. They and and they the reason they want it is because the pagan countries around them have it. Mm-hmm. And they think they have to have it. And you know, what an example that is for the church that that we don't have to have things like the world has. We don't have to be like the world. We can be different and it can be okay. Yeah. Um, we don't have to align with a political ideology or subscribe to, uh, you know, a, a specific subset of politics in order to feel accepted um, as as believers in Christ Jesus. We don't have to do that. And so it's 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 important because the the narrative continues to paint a story of what the church struggles with today. Yeah. And so there's always going to be those people who are called to be a voice from the wilderness crying out like John the Baptist was, you know, yeah. come back, come back. You know, you, you guys need to come back. So, mm-hmm. um, see that story. Um, but then we roll on, uh, we talked about the mercy of God and we roll on into the chapters 13 through 15. Um, we see the failure of Saul right here. Um, Saul is portrayed as a failure mostly because of his covenant disloyalty. That's that's really kind of what what sets all that up. Um, he does a few things. He sacrifices uh, on his terms instead of God's terms. He also doesn't really go to war the way that God has prescribed him to go to war, um, mm-hmm. which is also really going to be a fault of David later later on. Um, but just kind of like a, a, a side note right here, and and I know we've already talked about it once, but I just want to mention again the the focus is not necessarily the order or the chronology of events the focus is the whole story so we're talking yeah. about Saul we're moving into David and that's where we're going to kind of as we roll out of first Samuel you're going to see two characters really rise to the top and those two characters are Saul and David yeah um so take us through like 16 and 17 uh there at the towards the end of first Samuel yeah so you know we have the rise of David here um the spirit of God has left Saul um, mm-hmm. and is now on David. Um, and even though David has a positive relationship with Saul initially, um, Saul in his evilness um, causes the relationship to turn sour. Mm-hmm. Um, and this goes all the way to Saul trying to kill David yeah, <laughs> because of his jealousy. And um, I mean – that that I, for all the evil he did, that's probably the lowest, the lowest point for him. Yeah, and I would hate for my lowest point to be <laughs> <laughs> trying to kill God's anointed. <laughs> Do it. I mean, just out there in general. Just yeah. <laughs> so, um, so after after this assassination attempt, um, <laughs> we get into the the last uh like 15 or not quite 15 chapters of first Samuel. Mm-hmm. We have the decline and death of Saul. Um, he continues this downward spiral. Um, again, the Deuteronomic cycle um, is, is showcased here. Um, and then we see, you know, at the same time as Saul's downward spiral, we see the rise of David and, mm-hmm. and he is going to be the King of Israel soon enough. Um, and, and we see, the final thing we see here in First Samuel is that God is protecting David through the through the fall of King Saul, mm-hmm. while Saul is on this downward spiral and going out of control and losing all, losing all control. God is protecting David in preparation for him becoming king. Yeah, which we're going to see here in Second Samuel. Yeah, David David actually has the opportunity to kill Saul twice and doesn't do it. And, right. you know, I, I think that's partially being protective, God being protective of David, keeping him above reproach, mm-hmm. um, but also allowing the full recompense of what Saul had done to come on Saul. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that spiral goes downward and and Saul loses some battles. And I mean, it's it's not a it's not a pleasant fall from from grace or from the the kingship. And yeah, um, it's pretty readily recorded. And and you know, there there's a couple of I think lessons that the church can learn that that a lot of times the the world will hang itself. We don't we don't have to we don't always have to be the one out there pointing it out and it, it doesn't mean that we don't stand for truth and we and we take our stand seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, but it but it also doesn't mean that you have to uh showcase every failure of the world because uh you know Saul pretty much did it to himself and and his decisions led to his downfall. And and it led directly to the rise of David as the next king. Yeah, and so you know, just I I think Christians need to filter a lot of that into their daily communications. Um, you know, the way we interact with people, the way we talk to people, we don't always have to point out every single person's flaw and where every single person is wrong. You know, I have an 11 year old and a five year old and my 11 year old is constantly going, no, that's not how you do that. And I'm like, you know, you don't have to do that. Mm -hmm. Are you technically right? Yes, you're technically right, but you don't have to correct the way that he says a word right now because he's five, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and there's just, it's little conversations like that that remind me that, you know, Anthony, you don't have to, say that to that person you don't have to correct every single thing it will work itself out mm-hmm. um you know and, and and then i'm reminded of of the proverb where it's you know it's it back to back it says you know if you correct a fool basically you're wasting your time and then the next one it says if you don't correct a fool you're wasting your time and and i think it it what it does is scripture gives us a a framework to say i need to think is this worth correcting or is this not worth correcting do i need to spend my time on this or do i not need to spend my time on this and so it's it's something that that we as as believers and as christians need to always be on guard for so that's a little side caveat there but that brings us into the the fall of saul and the rise of david really brings us into second samuel the beginning of second samuel and most of second samuel is really consumed by the story of david yeah. Um him as king, uh he the first couple of chapters, few chapters, he becomes the king really of 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 Judah and of Israel, which is later in life we're going to know that as as the southern kingdom. Um the rest of it's the northern kingdom is divided and and I say that now because some of what David does actually leads to that that division later on down the road. Mm-hmm. So so it's good to note that we always talk very positively of David, but David was not perfect. David had a lot of problems. Right. Um, and so that should be encouraging for us to know that God can use people and he can, you know, people who were known as David was known as a man after God's own heart had some serious issues. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So so that's David comes in. Talk us through the, the next four or five, maybe six chapters there. All right, so um, so here we see that David, he's the king of a region, a king of, think of it, I don't want to say state, but I'm going to say state, um, <laughs> of Judah, and then he's going to become the king over all of the nation of Israel, mm-hmm. um, and, and there's a summary of David's time as king during, in here, uh, uh, there's a summary of David's time as king in uh, chapter 8 here. Um, and he's portrayed as a kind king. He mm-hmm. he's he's he takes care of the people. He he's uh approachable. He's he's a kind person. And all that changes in the next 10 chapters um when we get into his sin and its consequences. Um look, we're not saying that any of us are perfect. We're not saying that um we're not all it's it's not possible for any of us, but David's sin um, sets up just all sorts of uh, problems down the road. And yeah. like with Saul, like I wouldn't want my worst sin to be in, written down anywhere. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And, and unfortunately, David's worst sin is printed in every single Bible. So it's um, considered the words of God. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so. Gosh. um so 
uh, the 10 chapters here in second Samuel, we get David's uh, sin with Bathsheba, um, his murder of Uriah. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we know the story. We don't have to get into that. Um, but as a result of this sin, we, we see what the consequences are and the consequences are that his offspring fall into all sorts of sin Yeah, that eventually, um, lead to the divided kingdom that was talked about in Kings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, you know, um, there, there's a whole lot of hot takes around the whole idea of David and Bathsheba and, um, I'm I'm not going to dive into the cesspool that that those hot takes create, but it's there. There are a couple of facts that are important about that. The sin that led him there. Um, number one is David should have been with his army. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He he was not where he was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and that leads to him seeing things that he should not see. Mm-hmm. Um, because of that. And then when you get into those two situations, when you're in a place that you're not supposed to be, and you're seeing things that you're not supposed to see that typically leads you to make decisions that you're not supposed to make. Yeah. And so you can follow the story of David and Bathsheba and Uriah and just see all of that play out. And, and, you know, if you want to get down into the nitty gritty details, add us on some social media and we'll have that discussion that, you know, that that's, that's not for here now, but it is, it is very important that as Christians, we need to realize and we need to understand that there are certain places that we don't have to be so that there are certain things that we don't have to see Mm -hmm. so that we can maintain a certain witness to the world that is around us. Yeah. Um, and and I, I find a lot of times there are Christians who will make justifications to do certain things. And I'm like, eh, you probably don't need to be doing that. You right. know, I, I can see I see I hear what you're saying, but I don't see it play out in, in scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I would just use that as a warning for a lot of Christians to be careful. Yeah. Um, be careful about what you say, when you say it, where you say it, and that includes digital platforms. Yes. So yes. You know. I'll, I'll I'll say this. Um, not only was David somewhere not where he was supposed to be seeing things he shouldn't have seen, doing things he shouldn't have done, but if he had been where he was supposed to be, none of that would have happened. Yeah. Like it's it's a it's a like just do what you know you're supposed to do. Yeah. And, and and be where you're supposed to be. And then you won't have you won't even have the opportunity to make that decision. Yeah. If he had been in the battlefield next to Uriah, he wouldn't have sent Uriah to his death, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. Do what God's called you to do. Yeah. So uh, it's as simple to, as that. <laughs> it, it it really is. If God's called you to do something, just do it. Um, so we get through the uh, consequences there of David's sin with Bathsheba, um, and we close out Second Samuel with these final reflections on David's reign. Um, despite his failure, and it's a it's despite his massive failure, massive failure. Yeah, <laughs> um, he's portrayed as positive. I mean, mm-hmm. he remains a man after God's own heart. Yeah. Um and I think it's interesting um if, if you read the book when you read the book of Psalms you see a lot of um David wrote a lot of the book of Psalms mm-hmm. and I believe that he wrote a lot of those in response to his sin with Bathsheba and oh, yeah. the consequences of it. Yeah, Psalm and, 51 is like the prime example of that. You know, yeah. Nathan Nathan confronts him and his his response and he confronts him about Bathsheba and his response is creating me a clean heart. You know, yeah. God, I, I need a clean heart. Don't mm-hmm. do something to me. Yeah. So, and so, so David, it, David ends up being seen in this positive light and almost in spite of himself. Yeah. Um, and, and he has almost a Samson like ending. You know, we talked yeah. about Samson's, rise fall and like last hoorah mm-hmm. before his death 
um, David has a similar ending that sets up the history that follows um, in in the two books of Kings. Mm -hmm. So we'll see how that plays out. We will. And, you know, David is pictured at the end of Samuel as second Samuel as, as fighting for his men. And mm -hmm. so, you know, you think back to Bathsheba and Uriah and, and that whole story where David should have been at the beginning fighting for his men. Yeah. You know, maybe it's a story just like, and that's why I, I think that's why I call it Samson like, because Samson at the end of it all basically says, you know, all right, I know where my power is. My power is with God. It's not in my hair. It's not in any mm -hmm. kind of special thing that I have, but you know, all right, God, I see that now. Can you just give me one more? Can you give me one more time? Yeah. So that I can fight for you. And, and I think maybe that's, that's, you at least have to see that overtone at the ending of second Samuel and, and David saying, you know what? I'm, I'm going to get myself where I should have been from the beginning. Yeah. I made some mistakes and I was wrong and, and I own up to those mistakes and, and the way that you own up to those mistakes a lot of times is by doing the right thing when the situation arises again. Yeah. And that, that honestly gives us hope today. Oh yeah. Like, inevitably like i'm not saying you hope you do or or that you look for opportunities to but you're going to mess up you're, yeah. you're going to sin you're going to fall short we all sin mm -hmm. and it's not about wallowing in your sin and wallowing in your self-pity and be like i'm never going to get it right i'm never going to yeah. be worthy you know all the thoughts that we've all had but it's about when that when the opportunity arises again where are you going to be yeah. What are you going to do? How are you going to handle the situation differently? And we've all processed those things mm -hmm. and are continuing to process them because it is all an ongoing process. Mm -hmm. So how are you preparing yourself to be better or to do better? Even if it's just a little bit better, do yeah. a little bit better the next time. Yep. And then the next time after that. And then after that, and after that, and after that. So, yep. So in the end, we see that that God's chosen they they reflect in part right now, not quite in whole, the person of Jesus Christ. David reflects a, a portion of Jesus. Um, the nation of Israel reflects a portion of Jesus. I mean, everybody should be reflecting a, a portion of Jesus. We don't do it perfectly, mm -hmm. but we, we strive to. And, and I think you see that in the life of David. And so even when we don't get it right, just like you just said, we still try and keep trying. And when we fall down, we get back up and we try again. Yeah. Because that's what God's called us to do as believers in the, the son, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's called us to do. Yeah. So... Take that as an encouragement from the book of First and Second Samuel. Um, you know, when you when you mess up, it's okay. God can still use you. Yep. When He's done with you, your life will be over. I promise. <laughs> so, just remember, if He can use a Christian murdering uh, person like Saul to write most of the New Testament. He could probably figure out a way to use you. <laughs> True that. Just saying. Man, that's good stuff. That's good yep. stuff. Well, Michael, will you pray for us this week? I certainly can. Let's do it. Uh, Father God, thank you so much for just who you are. Thank you for um, uh, your word. Thank you for the books of First and Second Samuel. Thank you for the discussion we've had tonight, God. And I pray that um, we've encouraged and um, empowered somebody to to apply what they've heard tonight and uh apply it to their lives and 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 just uh, follow your example god thank you for um just the the many opportunities that you've given us to grow thank you for um just pouring out your wisdom in your book and god i pray you continue to uh, allow us to just dive deeper and to get um just more better equipped to um be more like jesus each and every day god 
Um, we love you. We thank you so much for all you do for us and all you continue to do for us and pray you um, are just honored and glorified in all that we do here, um, all we do at our work, all that we do in our homes, at our churches. God, we just pray that you're honored and glorified in every single thing that we do. We love you and just thank you again for all you do for us and this opportunity to uh, serve you and your people. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, if they wanted to reach us on social media platforms, where would they do it? You can find the Beers and Bible One podcast. Almost did the whole thing. <laughs> you can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Beers and Bible Podcast. And you can also email us at beersandbiblepodcast at gmail.com. If you have any questions about anything we've discussed on the podcast or any potential beer suggestions you'd like for us to review, um, we would love to hear those from you. And uh, we will uh, maybe give you a shout out on the podcast if we are able to find a beer you suggest. Booyah. So until next week, we hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open, and we will see you later. Peace out.